Chapter Four of An Intimate View of Robert G. Ingersoll by Isaac Newton Baker. Recorded by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four As Orator and Writer. Here his fame is fixed beyond all cavil, all criticism, all calumny. His Christian censors admitted it. His fair-minded contemporaries in every intellectual field conceded it. It was worldwide. Appeals came to him from nearly every civilized country for a visit and a series of addresses and lectures. An offer from Australia guaranteed him $1,000 a night for as many nights as he chose to speak, and all expenses of himself and family paid. He was unable, though not unwilling, to accept the offer as a platform orator he was great he had few if any peers in that realm the judgment of his rivals accords him this preeminence henry ward beecher who certainly may be quoted as competent authority once said in introducing him to a brooklyn audience quote, he is the most brilliant speaker of the english tongue of all men on this globe End quote. The lamented Garfield, who himself was a distinguished orator, once wrote to Mr. Ingersoll, who spoke for him in his campaign for the presidency, quote, I have followed with intense interest your brilliant campaign in my behalf. You have appeared to me like a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Your path has been one broad band of blazing light. I give you my profoundest admiration and gratitude. End quote. In the famous Davis-Will case in Montana, both judge and prosecuting attorney cautioned the jury to be on their guard lest they be carried away by Colonel Ingersoll's eloquence, which, the attorney remarked, is famed over two continents and in the islands of the seas, rivaling that of Demosthenes and transcending the oratory of Greece and Rome. And this warning was not an infrequent one to juries before whom Mr. Ingersoll appeared as advocate large lecture receipts his audiences on his frequent lecture tours were nearly everywhere large and enthusiastic standing room only was the sign often displayed at the entrance of the hall or theater where he was to speak his lecture receipts were extraordinary in a trip west at one time they amounted to more than fifty thousand dollars net in one month boston new york chicago and san francisco always gave him a warm and sympathetic welcome two or three thousand dollars for a single lecture was not an unusual sum received from boston while one great assemblage in the auditorium at chicago yielded exactly seven thousand and one dollars the highest sum we may well believe ever realized for a single lecture in the history of the platform the most thoughtful, intelligent, and highly cultivated people of a community thronged to hear him. Even hearers who hesitated to accept all he said could not help admiring the way he said it, and if not convinced, never left the auditorium but in a thoughtful mood. Instances were common where men and women traveled long distances to listen to his eloquent words, and one ardent admirer, a young lawyer from Boston, followed him thousands of miles that he might not lose an opportunity of hearing him. Great Speeches Most Americans are familiar with his speech nominating Mr. Blaine for the presidency, in which he invested that brilliant statesman with the title Plumed Knight a sobriquet that remained with him to the end of his career 
his great speech at the grant banquet his thrilling epic a vision of war or the past rises before me like a dream delivered at a soldiers reunion in indianapolis his wonderful decoration day oration in new york his tribute to his brother eben his matchless memorial to his friend and associate roscoe conkling and the laureate crown he laid on the tomb of his friend and leader the martyred lincoln together with many other eulogies of the noble dead that sprang from his generous and passionately patriotic heart are to-day the treasured possessions of his countrymen his lips dropped polished pearls that will adorn and enrich the language of his day and of all time a memorable scene the tribute paid by mr ingersoll to his beloved brother eben was everywhere acknowledged to be the most profoundly tender and beautiful in english literature it has become classic the scene of its utterance in its whole setting was solemnly dramatic around the bier gathered as mourners were many of the first men of the nation they had come not only in sympathy with the grief-stricken brother but to mingle their tears with his in homage of their late friend and associate the honorable eben c ingersoll was well known in social and official circles in washington he was a member of congress a staunch republican and true patriot and well and faithfully served his illinois constituency he was a wise legislator a man of unbending integrity a true and loyal friend as a lawyer he was able and well equipped and while a forceful speaker was not as dearly parted as his brilliant brother although he was a wise and safe counsellor in religious belief he was a firm agnostic an ardent supporter of robert in all campaigns against superstition and fanaticism and he gloried in his fame as the greatest orator of the day as mr ingersoll has said Quote, it was from his lips i heard the first words of encouragement and praise eben c was a worthy companion of robert g and an honor to the family whose name he bore the following vivid description of the scene attending the delivery of the tribute and of the funeral obsequies is taken from the national republic of washington published the day after the funeral Quote, the funeral of the honorable e c ingersoll took place yesterday afternoon at four o'clock from his late residence fourteen o three k street the spacious parlors were filled to overflowing and hundreds were unable to obtain admittance among those who were present to pay their homage to the distinguished and beloved dead were secretary of the treasury sherman assistant secretary of the treasury holly senators blaine Voorhees, paddock david davis john a logan the honorable william m morris honorable william m springer honorable thomas a boyd governor pound honorable j r thomas honorable thomas j henderson honorable jeremiah wilson adelaide e stevenson colonel ward h lamon colonel james fishback general farnsworth general robert c schneck general jeffries general williams and the honorable h c burchard judge shellbarger general burney governor lowe acting commissioner of internal revenue h c rogers general williamson of the land office and a great many other prominent members of the bar and also a large number of illinoisans were present it was the largest gathering of distinguished persons assembled at a funeral since that of chief justice chase 
the only ceremony at the house other than the viewing of the remains was a most affecting pathetic and touching address by colonel robert g ingersoll brother of the deceased when he began to read his eloquent characterization of the dead man his eyes at once filled with tears he tried to hide them but he could not do it and finally he bowed his head upon the dead man's coffin in uncontrollable grief it was only after some delay and the greatest efforts at self-mastery that colonel ingersoll was able to finish reading his address when he had ceased speaking the members of the bereaved family approached the casket and looked upon the form which it contained for the last time the scene was heart-rending the devotion of all connected with the household excited the sympathy of all and there was not a dry eye to be seen the pallbearers senator william b allison senator james g blaine senator david davis senator daniel voorhees representative james a garfield senator a s paddock representative thomas q boyd of illinois the honorable ward h lamon ex-congressman jerry wilson and representative adlai e stevenson of illinois then bore the remains to the hearse and the lengthy cortege proceeded to the oak hill cemetery where the remains were interred in the presence of the family and friends without further ceremony End quote. the tribute quote, dear friends i am going to do that which the dead oft promised he would do for me the loved and loving brother husband father friend died where manhood's morning almost touches noon and while the shadows still were falling toward the west he had not passed on life's highway the stone that marks the highest point but being weary for a moment he lay down by the wayside and using his burden for a pillow fell into that dreamless sleep that kisses down his eyelids still while yet in love with life and raptured with the world he passed to silence and pathetic dust <laughs> yet after all it may be best just in the happiest sunniest hour of all the voyage while eager winds are kissing every sail to dash against the unseen rock and in an instant hear the billows roar above a sunken ship for whether in mid-sea or among the breakers of the farther shore a wreck at last must mark the end of each and all and every life no matter if its every hour is rich with love and every moment jeweled with the joy will at its close become a tragedy as sad and deep and dark as can be woven of the warp and woof of mystery and death this brave and tender man in every storm of life was oak and rock but in the sunshine he was vine and flower he was the friend of all heroic souls he climbed the heights and left all superstitions far below while on his forehead fell the golden dawning of the grander day he loved the beautiful and was with color form and music touched to tears he sided with the weak 
the poor and wronged and lovingly gave alms with loyal heart and with the purest hands he faithfully discharged all public trusts he was a worshipper of liberty a friend of the oppressed a thousand times i have heard him quote these words for justice all place a temple and all season summer he believed that happiness is the only good reason the only torch justice the only worship humanity the only religion and love the only priest he added to the sum of human joy and were every one to whom he did some loving service to bring a blossom to his grave he would sleep tonight beneath a wilderness of flowers life is a narrow veil between the cold and barren peaks of two eternities we strive in vain to look beyond the heights we cry aloud and the only answer is the echo of our wailing cry from the voiceless lips of the unreplying dead there comes no word but in the night of death hope sees a star and listening love can hear the rustle of a wing he who sleeps here when dying mistaking the approach of death for the return of health whispered with his latest breath i am better now let us believe in spite of doubts and dogmas of fears and tears that these dear words are true of all the countless dead the record of a generous life runs like a vine around the memory of our dead and every sweet unselfish act is now a perfumed flower and now to you who have been chosen from among the many men he loved to do the last sad office for the dead we give his sacred dust speech cannot contain our love <laughs> there was there is no gentler stronger manlier man end of eulogy a vision of war what patriot can read without emotion the following thrilling epic of the civil war delivered at a soldier's reunion in indianapolis Quote, the past rises before me like a dream again we are in the great struggle for national life we hear the sounds of preparation the music of boisterous drums the silver voices of heroic bugles we see thousands of assemblages and hear the appeals of orators we see the pale cheeks of women and the flushed faces of men and in those assemblages we see all the dead whose dust we have covered with flowers we lose sight of them no more we are with them when they enlist in the great army of freedom we see them part with those they love some are walking for the last time in quiet woody places with the maidens they adore we hear the whisperings and the sweet vows of eternal love as they lingeringly part forever 
others are bending over cradles kissing babes that are asleep some are receiving the blessings of old men some are parting with mothers who hold and press them to their hearts again and again and say nothing kisses and tears tears and kisses divine mingling of agony and love and some are talking with wives and endeavoring with brave words spoken in the old tones to drive from their hearts the awful fear we see them part we see the wife standing in the door with the babe in her arms standing in the sunlight sobbing at the turn of the road a hand waves she answers by holding high in her loving arms the child he is gone and forever we see them all as they march proudly away under the flaunting flags keeping time to the grand wild music of war marching down the streets of the great cities through the towns and across prairies down to the fields of glory to do and to die for the eternal right we go with them one and all we are by their side on all the gory fields in all the hospitals of pain on all the weary marches we stand guard with them in the wild storm and under the quiet stars we are with them in ravines running with blood in the furrows of old fields we are with them between contending hosts unable to move wild with thirst the life ebbing slowly away among the withered leaves we see them pierced by balls and torn with shells in the trenches by forts and in the whirlwind of the charge where men become iron with nerves of steel we are with them in the prisons of hatred and famine but human speech can never tell what they endured we are at home when the news comes that they are dead we see the maiden in the shadow of her first sorrow we see the silvered head of the old man bowed with the last grief the past rises before us and we see four millions of human beings governed by the lash we see them bound hand and foot we hear the strokes of cruel whips we see the hounds tracking women through tangled swamps we see babes sold from the breasts of their mothers cruelty unspeakable outrage infinite four million bodies in chains four million souls in fetters all the sacred relations of wife mother father and child trampled beneath the brutal feet of might and all this was done under our own beautiful banner of the free the past rises before us we hear the roar and shriek of the bursting shell the broken fetters fall these heroes died we look instead of slaves we see men and women and children the wand of progress touches the auction block the slave pen the whipping post and we see homes and firesides and schoolhouses and books and where all was want and crime and cruelty and fear we see the faces of the free these heroes are dead they died for liberty they died for us they are at rest they sleep in the land they made free under the flag they rendered stainless under the solemn pines the sad hemlocks the tearful willows and the embracing vines 
they sleep beneath the shadows of the clouds careless alike of sunshine or storm each in the windowless palace of rest earth may run red with other wars they are at peace in the midst of battle in the roar of conflict they found the serenity of death i have one sentiment for soldiers living and dead cheers for the living tears for the dead end of chapter four